Let's say a prayer together before we look at the scripture. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's always our privilege to come together. Uh, Jesus, you promise to be with us whenever we gather together. And we acknowledge that you're with us today in this school. In the 21st century, God, you are aware of all the things that are going on. You know each of our hearts. You know what we love, what we care about. You know what we're, we're afraid of. You know what we're nervous and anxious about. You know every kid in the school, the teachers, the administrators. God, you know all these intimate things about us because you created us. And you've put us here for a particular work. And so we, we come here together to worship you, to thank you, to tell you that we believe in you and we love you, and also to listen to you and hear back from you what you would have for us in our lives. What, how can we be part of the things that you're doing? Uh, we're listening this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been in this series called um, What's So Great About Easter for a while now. And we've been asking a number of different questions to try to get at uh, things that some of us have wondered about, have questions about in terms of what really is so great about Easter. And the questions that we've been asking have been things like, what do I need to be saved from? Why did Jesus have to save me from something? Why is there so much pain and hurt in the world? Why did Jesus have to die? Uh, and today we're going to talk about a question that I know some of you have brought up at different times. So what is it that we're really hoping for as Christian people after we die? What, what, is, what is it we're, we're expecting to happen? What, how does our faith inform what we think about life after death? Uh, and the reason that's important is because what you hope for in the future affects how you live your life now. What you hope for in the future, whether that's a, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 20 years from now, after, you, after you've died, affects how you live your life in the future. So some of you had a conversation about things people were, were hoping for just a minute ago. Just shout out a couple things that you heard, one or two words. What are people hoping for? Summer. Everyone's hoping for summer. Yeah. Warm weather, sunshine. Yeah, there's a theme. What was that? Travel plans. travel plans. Yep, hoping to travel somewhere. Good. Home church. Home church? Great. Anybody else? Some people are hoping for a house. Uh, I started thinking about what my neighbors are hoping for. Do you, know, do you know your neighbors well enough to know what they're hoping for? I know some of my neighbors recently have been hoping to find a new job and then did find a new job. Some of them are hoping uh, that some relationships that aren't going so well will go better. Some of them are, are hoping for um, a really good national night out party. No, that's me. I'm hoping for a national night out party. Whatever you're hoping for informs what you do in the present, right? The most obvious example to this, like in, on TV land, is every other commercial will tell you, if you hope to retire, then what should you be doing right now? Oh my gosh, people, seriously, there's going to be a crisis. <laughs> Let's try again. If you hope to retire someday, what should you be doing right now? Saving. Saving. Great. And apparently, you, you might need, I mean, I don't know, they have those calculators and then there's green lines going all over. I mean, it's really critical, I think, according to the commercials. Uh, they're saying, if you hope to do this in your future, then you have to be doing something about it now, right? And that's kind of how things work. You can't just hope for something in the future and then not do anything about it in the now and, and expect that it will come true. 
So as we think about what we hope for in the future in terms of our life, even after our death, I want you to connect the dots today between what, what we're doing now, what we're believing now, how we're acting now, and how it connects to what Christians hope for after they die. I have three things that I want to talk to you about in terms of what Christians hope for after they die. Uh, they are, we hope for relationship with Jesus even after our death. We hope for the resurrection of our physical bodies at some point after we die. And we hope for the recreation of both heaven and earth where heaven and earth come together and we get to live in a whole different space. So I'm gonna talk about those three things this morning. When you walk away, if you're thinking about having a conversation with your neighbor about the, what's so great about Easter, you could talk about one of these three things relatively simply, I think, after we talk about them this morning. So let's start with relationship with Jesus. We hope for relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? When Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to die, they start to freak out. And they freak out mostly because they don't want to be separated from Jesus. It's not that they have this really amazing theology. They actually don't even understand anything about what the cross and the, the, and the resurrection are going to accomplish. They don't get that at all. All they hear is this guy who's changed their life that they've been following around for some period of time saying to them, I'm not going to be around that much longer. And for those of you who have lost people in your life, or you lost a relationship or someone passed away, you might be able to relate to that sort of longing feeling, right? Like that's, what, that's in their gut. They were hearing Jesus, the most important person in their life, say, I'm not going to be around a lot longer. So they would ask weird questions like, where are you going? And can we come there? And he would say, no, you can't come there. Why can't we? We want to come. They were so distraught because they felt like their relationship with Jesus was going to go away. And sometimes in these conversations about hope, and even what we hope to happen in the world or in our lives, they get so disconnected from relationship with Jesus that we get off track. The core Christian hope, according to Scripture, is that we get to be with Jesus, who loves us. Period. And part of what we need to be doing in the now, if, if you're sitting there and you think, I don't know if that's so great. I'm not so sure that's so great. Um, part of what we need to be doing in the now is developing a relationship with Jesus to the point where you'd actually want to be in Jesus' presence for all eternity, right? Those of you who have significant relationships in your life, friendships, marriage relationships, other relationships, you put a ton of time into developing those relationships, right? And when you miss somebody, it's because you spent so much time and you know them so well and they know you so well that you can't imagine your life without them, Yeah? And so the core hope of, Christian, of Christians is about relationship with God. That we've come to love Jesus. And because we love Jesus and we've been loved by Jesus in the now, we hope that that will last forever. And in fact, we hope that that relationship will be infinitely better because it'll be face-to-face -face in the future. That the barriers that exist between us and Jesus will be taken away. And you'll be able to sit with him and ask him all the questions that your pastor couldn't explain to you, to your satisfaction, which is a long list, right? The core Christian hope is that we hope for relationship with Jesus. When you picture the Garden of Eden that God created in the beginning, 
And one of my favorite verses is where it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. Just try to visualize that for a second. We're in a perfect environment. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no suffering. And you're, having, you're just walking with God in the garden, having a conversation. God's asking you questions. You're asking God questions. You're talking about stuff that's happening. There's this intimate relationship that is the heart of Christianity that is what we're hoping to be fulfilled in life after death. So a question we might ask this morning is, has our relationship, each of us, has our relationship with Jesus matured to the point that we can't imagine living our lives without him? Has your relationship with Jesus matured to the point where you can't imagine living your life without Jesus? Second thing we hope for, we hope for bodily resurrection. We hope that our bodies will be brought back to life, which is a strange thing to hope for, right? We have to call this out. It's a weird thing to imagine that after you die, your body will be brought back to life. But that's a central teaching across all of Scripture about what Christians hope for. Let me read you this text from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that describes this part of the hope of Christians. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of humankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. But the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with each with these words. Okay, so this is kind of a crazy, crazy passage in some ways. What it's saying is that, first of all, uh, because Jesus has died and come back to life, those who trust in him can expect to have the same experience. And it uses this strange language that pops up in a number of letters that says some people have fallen asleep in Christ. So let me tell you about that because it gets confusing. Uh, the, the New Testament has this idea that when you die, you are, you are with God, you are in heaven, you are with Jesus, but your body has not been raised from the dead yet, right? And so there's a period of time between when you die and when everyone is raised in Christ that they refer to as sleep. So whenever you see that in Scripture, you know they're, they're referring to the period of time between when someone dies and when everybody is resurrected when Jesus returns. Does that make sense? So some people have fallen asleep in Christ, is what Paul writes, which means some people have died who we know put their trust in Christ, but they obviously their bodies have not been resurrected, and they are with God right now, but they have not been brought back to life yet. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, Paul says, we hope to be raised from the dead. And there's this really important line, if you can put this up there for me, verse uh, 14. 
For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So people who trust in Jesus will be brought back to life when Jesus comes back down to earth from heaven. That Jesus is coming back and heaven is coming to us rather than the other way around. And that when that happens, both the dead and the living will be transformed. Now, these people who were, were listening to this letter, they all expected Jesus to come back before they died. So you hear this in this passage where he's trying to reassure them. So those of you who are still alive, when Jesus comes back, don't, don't freak out. What will happen is that these people who have died will come back to life, and then you also will be transformed. You won't have to die. Your body will be transformed so that you can live forever because you have faith in Jesus. So both the dead and the living will be tra transformed. Their bodies will be transformed so that they're immortal and imperishable, so that they can live forever. Now, so we hope, one of our hopes is that we hope for the resurrection to be resurrected like Jesus was resurrected. Um, I was thinking a little bit about how you would explain this to a child, because some of you have children, and you might go home and say that was way too complicated. So here's a, here's a way to, um, to think about this in terms of explaining it to a child. When people die, what if a kid asks you, what happens to people when they die? What happens to Christians when they die? You might say to them, okay, well, we believe that people, when they die, they will live with Jesus until the whole world is fixed. They will live with Jesus in heaven until Jesus returns and fixes everything. I think that will make sense. We'll test it out. Those of you who have little kids, test it out and tell me. You're not little kids. You're mature children. You are young adults. Does that make sense to you? Isaac's too polite to tell me if it didn't, but he says it does. We hope that our bodies will be restored and renewed so that we can live without all the effects of sin and death. So put your hands out in front of you for a minute, okay? Flip them over. Anybody notice any imperfections? Some people say no. Some people say yes. It's sort of weird to think that this body that you have right now in a different form, in a transformed form, is going to live forever. But here's what's so great about Easter. If any of you have ever had a problem with your body, I know it's only a few of you, just kidding. If you've ever been sick, if you've battled an illness that's lasted a long time, if you have a disease that's not meant to be in your body, if you were born with something that um, for various reasons doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to work, if you've even fought off an illness that threatened your life, anything that's been wrong with you, anything that hasn't worked the way that God designed it to work, God is going to restore that. Now that's pretty good news, right? And what it does is it connects us to this life. Instead of thinking that we have a soul that exists in us that's somehow gonna go to a place and have absolutely nothing to do with what's happening to you right now, what you do with your body now matters. And the things that are imperfect, the things that are wrong that are out of your control, the things that are wrong in your body that are a result of mistakes that you've made in your life, some of us have done that too, 
God will fix those things. And your body will be resurrected with Jesus and you will be transformed and you will live forever. That's why Easter is so great. Finally, we hope for the recreation of the whole world through Jesus. So try this out with me. Make a fist, make two fists. I don't know why I'm teaching you like I'm teaching elementary school kids today, but you're stuck with it. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> make two fists. Okay. This fist on the, on the below here is earth. This fist above is heaven, right? One of the views is that, that many Christians hold is that you somehow leave earth and travel up to heaven and, yeah, you guys are amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually earth just kind of goes away, all right? And then we're here. We're just hanging out. And it's good. We don't totally know what it's like, but there's going to be golf and food and good things, right? We're going to be here. Um, this is a really dangerous view is what I want to tell you this morning. It's a really dangerous view because it can, can totally discount anything that's happening on earth right now. And it's not a view that the Bible really supports, in my opinion. What, what the Bible consistently describes in various places is heaven. So try this. This is, my, this is my corrected view. Try this right here, okay? Heaven is always sort of like just barely above earth. It's just like floating, just, just barely separated from earth. That's how I think we should think about it. Almost like two dimensions, Okay? And the Bible describes the end of the story as earth coming down to heaven. And the two being transformed, so there's a new heavens and a new earth, but the two connecting and being transformed so that they can last together without the effects of sin and death. And because heaven's kind of always hovering right here, we sometimes get glimpses of heaven in this life, right? When Jesus comes to earth, it's heaven breaking through into an earthly reality. When we experience God's presence, when you feel God's presence, that's heaven breaking through into our earthly reality. When we enter into worshiping God, heaven breaks through into our earthly reality. When we participate in what God is doing in the world, heaven starts to break through. Theologians describe this as the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here now and it's also not yet here. Heaven is still breaking through, and someday it will completely overcome anything that is opposed to the rule of Jesus Christ in both heaven and earth. If we believe that our primary hope about the world is to get out of here and escape, then that sort of hope defines the way we ought to live our lives now that devalues pretty much anything that's happening on the earth right now, and that's real dangerous. Because we are here, not just as people hoping to escape, but as people who are part of the work that God is doing to restore all things. So each one of you who is being used by God every day have little glimpses of breaking, heaven breaking through in your life and in the lives around you so that people can realize that heaven is there. It's right there. Jesus often said, look, it's right here. You don't notice it, but it's right here there. And that's what I believe is happening in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your families. It is ready to break through. And the more aware that you become 
of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God right there, the more you are able to create this connection for the people around you to see that God is welcoming them and asking them and inviting them to join his kingdom. We don't want to escape. We don't plan to escape. We expect Jesus to return. We expect heaven to come down. And we expect everything to be recreated. That means everything that's wrong in the world, every justice issue, every illness that people are facing, everything that's impacted by sin and death will be restored and renewed. N.T. Wright puts it this way. Let me ask the band to come up because I'm almost done. N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, we've gotten the primary question wrong. The primary question isn't what happens to us when we die. He said Israel got that question wrong too. They used to kept their, their version of that when Jesus was alive was, when is God going to save Israel? The individualistic version of that in the 21st century for Americans is, when is God going to save me? And, and Wright says that's the wrong place to start. The right place to start, no pun intended, is that he, God is inviting us to be part of the restoration and the recreation of the world as heaven breaks through onto earth again and again, day after day, until finally Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom forever. Our question is, how will God restore and recreate the world through us? Kelsey's up here telling you, I run these races, which is totally insane in my opinion, because God has asked me and invited me to give of myself in order that children and people who don't have water might have what God intends for them to have. Whatever the reason, God plans to help heaven break through to earth through us. And that's why you need to be saved. Not so you can escape, but so that your eyes can be opened and you can realize the hope that you have a critical role to play because God has decided you do. We hope for three things. We hope that we can see Jesus face to face and be in relationship with him. We hope for the resurrection of our bodies restored the way God created them. And we hope for the recreation of heavens and earth where everything falls under the rule, reign and rule of Jesus Christ the way that God intends. This song that we're going to sing right now, it's called All Things New. God... Uh, in Revelation, the Bible says that, that Jesus is creating all things new, that Jesus is making our relationships new, that Jesus is making our bodies new, that Jesus is making the world new. And we get these little glimpses of that, and you have got to be witnesses to those glimpses of those relationships, physical healing, and recreation that's happening to your neighbors. Because it's good news, and Easter is great. And people need to know the reason for the hope that we all have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have hope because you have rescued us. We hope to see you face to face. Jesus, we hope that you will resurrect every one of us who has faith in you and restore our bodies so they work exactly the way that you designed them to work and they can live forever. We hope, God, that this world that is broken in many ways will be fixed. We don't want to escape, God. We want to dive deep into the things that you're doing. Every single person in this room
has a role to play in heaven breaking through to earth. Help us to have a sense of what our role is. Help us to pay attention this week to ways in which you are including us in this work that you're doing. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us be distracted. Don't let us be deterred. Give us courage. Give us hope from you when it seems like there is no hope. Give us the ability to speak to neighbors who need to hear about the hope that we have. Give us ears to listen to our neighbors, to listen to where they have hope or they have despair. And, and Lord, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would make us a hopeful people in a time that is desperately looking for hope. You are our hope, Jesus. Make all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.